Tom Brady. My bad. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Doc to Me. My name is Heather. And I'm Kathleen. And this week we are going to cover Abducted in Plain Sight. It's also known as Forever B. It is a 2017 true crime doc directed by Sky Borgman and covers the kidnapping of Jan Broberg by her neighbor Robert Birchtold in the 70s in Idaho. Her start was first told in Stolen Innocence, the Jan Broberg story. Very clever. A memoir published by Jan and her mother Marianne. The film was produced over a three-year period by Top Knot Films and later released by Netflix in 2019. So the movie immediately starts off with a man describing this cute girl who was bright and had dimples and just all uh, these... He called her a woman, All which... these normal things you would say about a little girl until, yeah, he says he knew he found the little girl he was always searching for. And boom, we're starting off high on the creep factor, and then we slow it down with the title card. <laughs> we meet Bob Roberg, who is Jan's father, and he looks like typical old man grandpa, complete with the plaid shirt. Jan has two younger sisters named Karen and Susan, with Susan being the youngest out of all three. They all seem to describe her as smart and outgoing. And then we cut to Marianne, who definitely looks like she is the boss of the family. She sits up straight with wide eyes. And they all seem to have a normal loving childhood growing up with the typical stay-at-home mom that was the norm in the 60s and 70s. Bob owned a flower shop for 40 years, which makes me wonder how much do florists make for him to be able to support a family of five. And I just want to bring up that Jan later got into acting, which shows she's absolutely beautiful, painted up, everything. Doesn't look like somebody from Idaho. <laughs> no, no, she doesn't. Which really pushes that whole, like, outgoing and yeah. just, like, you know, she's super friendly. Yeah. Which, you know, made her a great part. We are then shown a picture of Bob Birchtold, or B, as he is later called, who definitely looks like any picture they show on the news of a priest being arrested for an inappropriate act with a child or in connection with a missing boy. Marianne meets the Birchtolds in the summer of 1972 when she was in the choir at an LDS church and notices this new family. The Birchtolds have five children who are all around the same age as the Broberg family, so it makes it easier for all of them to get along. And the wife of this family is named Gail, who is described as quiet and doesn't seem to match up with her husband. Bob is immediately mesmerized because B sends them a fruit basket. <laughs> so all really their, classy. All this future trust in this family is cemented with a fucking fruit basket. <laughs> I've never got that excited about fruit. B would be the one in charge of picking up all the kids in the morning where they would all shout together, it's going to be a great day. There's a joke Sounds on... Sounds like Iowa. <laughs> Idaho. Oh, Idaho. Same thing. <laughs> There's a joke on the Crime and Sports podcast where they mention that you should never trust the guy who's so excited to volunteer to coach kids sports. The one who like brings orange slices and nobody asks him to. No, that's very true. Yeah. If you put dad in charge of a bunch of kids, should absolutely look and act like he hates them. <laughs> so B would come over during the evening time to hang out with the parents, but would instead end up hanging out with the kids. Not Red flag fun. there. Yeah. And they seemed to notice early on that he would put most of his attention onto Jan and had a special nickname for her, which is Dolly. 
red flags, giant metallic red flags. It's especially creepy when he refers to her as his dolly. I hate that. I hate that so much. We listen to a tape of B where he talks about Jan and says, you've brought a special light into my life. Again, I want to remind you, he has five kids, so they must feel special. And then he talks about two of them kissing and that no man could ever love a woman more. And she's not even a woman. She's 12. She's a child. It's gross. And this isn't even 10 minutes into the movie. No, it's, it, it's, it was hard to rewatch. I think it was literally like less than six minutes. So fall of 1972, B starts getting close to Marianne. He would call her up and ask her to bring him lunch. He has his own life. And would use these chances to prey on her to lower her defenses. Eventually, it would lead to what I would describe as heavy petting. They talk about, like, kissing and groping on each other. Which, I mean, these they're in their 40s, which is... She Do we still talk about heavy petting in our, in our 40s? I, I don't, don't know. She didn't even use that word, but I'm assuming... But they also, you know, LDS church. I feel That's like that what it, She seems devoted to her religion. Yeah. And that's, like, as far as she wants to take it. So then once he has her in his hands, he sets his sights on Bob. Poor Bob. I really feel for this guy because these people are just so absolutely naive. Uh, Almost suspiciously so, though. It's just so, like, I just, I can't fathom being that clueless. I don't know if it's the time or where they lived or if it's just a religion thing. I don't know. Poor Bob. Oh, God, yeah. So, B lets Bob know that his sexual relationship with his wife, Gail, isn't great, and he just really needs to have sex, which leads to Bob giving a hand job to B. In, a, in a car, and, like, just reaches over and jerks this guy off like he was no big deal. And, but, I mean, when he's telling it, like, my heart breaks for the man because he seems so traumatized by it. Yeah. But at the same time, you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, I don't understand it. But And yeah, and all these years later, Bob's telling the story. He's still clearly torn by this and how he betrayed his wife and with his infidelity. Like, that's what he focuses on. I just don't want any part of this. I mean, we've known each other for years, and I don't want any part of this. I <laughs> would never give you a hand job. <laughs> no offense. Later on, it's revealed the FBI finds out that in January of 1974, B was reprimanded by the LDS Church because of his involvement with another girl. The LDS Church insists on counseling for him. So he goes off to see a counselor in California. He wasn't even licensed. Clearly. Yeah. And he comes back and tells the Brobergs that part of his treatment includes spending time alone with girls. They believe that and let him lie with Jan in her bed while she sleeps. By the way, she's drugged. He drugs her. Well, yeah, his his idea of, you know, therapy is to slip her sleeping pills mm -hmm. in lieu of a Claritin or whatever. And he then, while she's sleeping, he listens to some creepy sexual cassette tapes. That his apparent therapist gave to him. Yeah. Like, What? And he just completely dupes these people around every corner. This goes on four times a week for six months. Marianne and Bob are annoyed 
that B is giving so much attention to Jan and are disturbed by it and yet continue to be friends with his family. I don't understand them. And letting him sleep with their daughter. Like, they're so annoyed and disturbed that on October 17, 1974, Marianne agreed to let B take Jan horseback riding, even though it's a school night. So she broke the two biggest mom rules. No going out late on a school night, and don't leave your child alone with some creepy dude. Well, and she apparently had piano lessons, so she was supposed to be back in time for dinner or whatever, yeah. so that her dad didn't find out. Like, I feel like if you're keeping a secret from the dad, it probably isn't something that should be happening. Yeah. We're reminded constantly later on in this that it's Idaho in the 70s and no one knew anything about pedophiles, but I still just don't understand how no one objects to anything weird that has happened. Like, if there was just one person that stood up and said, hey dude, maybe just go hang out with your own kids, because again, he has five kids! If you love kids so much, why are you not with your own? Yeah. So, B picks her up after her piano lessons and gives her allergy pills because they're going to be around horses, which that does sound like a bad thing to do, to just be like, here, take some allergy pills and get but on again, this giant animal. But again, something you would do for your own children. Yes, yes, yes. I don't generally medicate my friend's kids. But I mean, this guy is a terrible dad and there's no horses. <laughs> no, there's no horses. Which is that's I would be the be... worst thing for like a twelve year old to be like, Yeah, we're gonna go to horses and there's no horses. And she falls asleep in the car <laughs> yeah. and there are no horses. So at nine o'clock, Marianne is obviously worried when they don't return and B's wife Gail comes over and tells Marianne not to call the police because they'll be back soon. This goes on for two days before Bob is finally like, Fuck this bitch, call the cops. And I love that they don't even call the local police. They go straight to the FBI. <laughs> I can't believe they waited two days for that. But unfortunately, it's a Saturday, and the FBI office that is closed, so they're given a local branch to call for emergencies. But Marianne's like, eh, it's the weekend. I don't want to bother anyone on their day off, which I get. I hate going to a place even an hour before it's about to close because I don't want to make somebody work when they're not scheduled. But, but again, when your child your daughter's missing. is missing. <laughs> yes. So, just a reminder, they left on October 17th, and on October 22nd, 1974, they finally call the FBI and file a complaint, which is day five. Five days. Five whole days of your 12-year-old daughter being gone. They've only known this guy for two years. They're already creeped out by the attention he's showered onto the daughter, all the shit he's done to them, and they wait five days before calling in the FBI for kidnapping. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Marianne says she didn't suspect kidnapping, just that he took off with her. They'll be back. Which is the same thing. <laughs> There's no difference. FBI agent Welsh, ooh, I kind of love this guy. He comes over and has to drill into their minds that no, this is obviously a kidnapping. Like this I don't is know not how normal. This is not something that your neighbor should be doing. Them? Like just slap them. Like. I don't understand it. The FBI agents go over to talk to Gail, who tells them that they own a motorhome and a storage unit. So they go check it out, and shocker, storage unit is empty. Uh, eventually, they find B's car in the desert. Yeah, just the abandoned. Keys are inside. There's blood on the driver's side, and the window was broken, but it was broken from the inside. Dumb move. They didn't have Dateline back then. 
obviously he's trying to make it look like somebody else would come along and kidnap them both. They find tire tracks from a motorhome and only one set of footprints, which means he carried her from the car to the motorhome. They put an APB out through the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, and this goes on for three weeks. During this time that they're missing, B keeps Jan shackled in the RV and drugged. He plays these weird cassette tapes that sound like aliens speaking. It's really creepy. And the aliens tell her that she's part alien and needs to get pregnant before she's 16. Otherwise, they'll take her sister Susan and make her perform the mission. Because otherwise, the alien race will I don't know be destroyed or something I, I it's don't know but she believes this because you know Jesus yes was you know in very much the same situation yeah. where you know his dad wasn't his real dad and so you know it totally makes sense that like her mother was actually impregnated by an alien and she and one sister are half aliens yes and luckily for her there's someone who can impregnate this 12 year old and save the world and it's 40-year-old B. She's so lucky. It just happened to be her neighbor. What a cheapskate. And he was conveniently taking her horseback riding for yes. them to abduct them. It was so weird. And she agrees to it. And that's really as far as I want to go into what happens during this trip. But uh, it's just it's, it, was, it was hard to watch. Yeah. So eventually the FBI tracked them down in Mexico after B called his brother Joe to get permission from Mary Ann to marry Jan. Somehow they were legally allowed to marry in Mexico, but he wanted permission to marry her in the U.S. No mention of what Gail's thought of this was. Like, they just completely just blow off the wife. At this time, Jan is so brainwashed and terrified of these aliens hurting her or her family that she doesn't tell her parents about the rapes that have occurred. Uh, well, and he tells her not to. He, I, I could not believe that he managed to convince one of the guards in Mexico by, yeah. like, trading his wedding ring to, you know, talk to this girl that he had clearly kidnapped yes. and was his victim and, you know, he sits there and tells her that they have reached out and they will, you know, kill her family or mm -hmm. whatever. Just, like, just completely insane. She's traumatized. Yes. And so, of course, she's just like, oh, nothing happened. Because, again, she's 12. Yeah. This is a 40-year-old man. Who she trusts. Mm-hmm. It's, it's bonkers. But at least um, they're able to get the marriage in Mexico annulled. Welsh tells the Brobirds to stay the fuck away from B and his family, which they did not do. Gail comes over and asks them to drop the charges against her husband, and they agree to it to avoid any of the dirty laundry coming about with the things that they did with B. I don't care what has happened. Like, you hurt my kid. They just throw their daughter like, under a bus. Yeah, they're just like completely forget about, you know, her entire traumatic experience. Like, you know, being gone that long, missing, FBI involved, and they're just like, mm. I well, really they took don't. Her to the doctor, and the doctor's like, well, her hymen's still intact, so she wasn't raped. She yeah. was gone for weeks. Yeah. Well, he married her in Mexico. Yes. Why the hell do you think he wanted to marry her? If it was not 
for these like horrible horrible reasons ugh like, I, don't, again, I, I don't know if what would make you so naive to everything forget the hand job <laughs> forget the the heavy petting or the necking or whatever she called it like I do not care about any of those things and like my own embarrassment no. over the stupid things I've done like this is your child and so because of this he slowly creeps his way back into Julie's life and they spend time writing love letters to each other which is great Ugh, yes so, spring of 1975, even after all this has happened, Mary Ann agrees to meet with Bee to talk. Somehow that leads to sex and an affair that lasts for eight months. This guy kidnapped your fucking daughter. Like, seriously. What is wrong with her? her 12-year-old daughter all the way to Mexico and married her, and she is banging the guy. I can't understand the denial with this. During this affair, B visits with Jan and even spends the night alone with her twice. Bob finally sees through this shit, files for divorce for Marianne, and just moves with the girls for their protection. I don't know. They never said, like, what happened. Did they just not continue with the divorce? Or they never mentioned anything. I feel like he didn't follow through. Yeah. With all the kidnapping stuff, B is sentenced to five years, which is reduced down to 45 days. I feel as... It was the 70s. You know? Absolutely mind-blowing. Just <laughs> 45 days mm -hmm. for taking a 12-year-old girl out of the country. Like, the judge sentenced him to five years... How do you get 45 days 45 out of days. that? So after this, in 1976, B moves to Wyoming and opens a family fun center. Jan wants to go work there for the summer, and her parents are like, absolutely not. Until B calls and tells them that they need to let her come or she'll just run away and come here anyway. So Marianne puts her on a plane and sends her. She stays in Wyoming for two weeks with B in his motorhome, where he rapes her and has free reign for more brainwashing. She comes home, and B continues to call the family and insists on letting him just have Jan. How hard was it back then to change your phone number or even send her to, like, a grandma or something? Just fucking move, change your phone number, bam, problem just solved. Just send her to grandma's or something. It's not like you could just look up in your phone what the phone number was to call somebody. You just take the piece of paper away. <laughs> You're not going to remember. Tear the page out of the phone book. <laughs> and so August 10th, 1976, Jan disappears again, leaving a note on her bed. B insists he has no idea where she is, and so they wait two weeks before calling the FBI. He finally begins his jail sentence on September 1st, and you remember the five years that was reduced to 45 days? He only serves 10 days because of good behavior. How fucking good was he? <laughs> 12 days. For that's kidnapping not a enough, child. That's like not even enough time to get in trouble. He moves to Salt Lake City and disappears. B 
eventually gets a hold of Marianne and tortures her for three months by telling her that Jan's on the street as a sex worker and she's selling drugs and Marianne's just like broken down by this. She makes she feels like it's her fault her daughter's out there. And but I still don't understand how she still believes whatever he tells her. Like she knows he lied. Arthur's so brainwashed and stupid just flat out stupid i just there's no other way to explain their lack of thought process yeah in november of 1976 after checking out all the trailer parks in salt lake city (laughs) (laughs) the fbi finally finds these Caprice has these huge pictures of Jan all over his motorhome. How many pictures can you even fit in a motorhome? Like, where is he getting these pictures blown up at? Who is okay with this? This seems totally normal. (laughs) It was the 70s. Uh, But he has no idea where she is. And he takes the time for all these pictures. But the FBI's like, Fuck this guy. They tail him anyway and figure out that Jan is at a Catholic girls' school in Pasadena, California, under an alias. B is arrested yet again. A couple of months later, the flower shop burns down, which of course they're able to figure out that B is the cause of it. He hired two guys from prison to burn it down, and they have evidence to sentence those two guys, but aren't able to prosecute B for it. What motive would they have otherwise? I know. (laughs) We're just going to burn down this random flower shop. Check that, Mormons. (laughs) So not only that, they aren't able to charge him with much of anything as far as all the kidnappings. In June of 1977, B is court-ordered into a mental facility, but was released in less than six months. And he's fixed. June of 1978... 18 months after Jan returned home the second time, she's still in communication with B, but she's starting to lose interest, probably because she's about to hit her 16. (laughs) Getting older. It's finally at this time she starts to realize that all the shit that B had been putting into her head about the aliens and that her family would die if she didn't get pregnant wasn't real. And that's kind of the end of that relationship. Uh... 28 years later, Jan and Marianne released their book, Stolen Innocence, The Jan Groberg Story. And, of course, B starts showing up to all these different speaking events and harass the family. He has flyers all over the city claiming they're liars. So Jan files a stalking injunction against B, and he has the balls to contest it. I just wish they would just... Somebody would just, like, knock him downstairs or something. Uh, Jan rips him apart in court and is granted the injection for the rest of his life, which normally it's a couple years. I hope his life is short. Yeah. I love that at one point the Bikers Against Child Abuse show up and defend her. Except B ends up running one of them over and is finally arrested and charged with three felonies and two misdemeanors. He was in possession of a gun. But he's finally convicted of something serious. Everybody can, you know, breathe. He's going to be in prison. Except this piece of shit goes home and overdoses before he even serves a day in jail. 
after all this, his brother Joe almost kind of defended him. He even talked about how he knew he was a pedophile even as a child. He, he was their sister. Yeah, touching their sister. And he's just like, we always knew he was a pedophile. What the fuck, bro? Like, if I knew anybody related to me was a pedophile, I would be turning their asses in. The first thing he says in this documentary is, yeah, we always knew he was a pervert. That was the first thing he said about his brother. But then later on, he was like, well, that guy just, like, jumped in front of the van. And <laughs> it was... But you, I loved him in the beginning, so I'm like, yeah, he knows what's up. And then at the end, I'm like, no, what are you doing? You can't defend that kind of shit. No. So, Jan goes on to become an actor. She's appeared in over a dozen films and many television series. She marries a man named Larry Phelps, and she has a son from a previous marriage. That's, like, all I could really find. Um, years after the kidnapping, it's revealed that six other women come forward to say that they were sexually assaulted and abused as little girls by Jan. He was found guilty of rape of a child in one of those cases and only spent a year in jail. This just makes it seem like it's easy to be a pedophile and get away with it. Yeah, but heaven forbid you have any kind of pot or any other drug oh on God, you. yeah. Kidnap a child, take them across, you know, state lines and out of the country. Eh, it's fine. No it's big Mexico. deal. Mexico. Family's like going a, there for fun. It's like a vacation in jail for him. Yeah. So short. But, you know. So, fuck Jan. How angry are you after watching this again? <laughs> I had a really hard time going through it a second time. The first time was difficult enough when I watched it when it originally came out. The second go through, I just, I mean, just being a parent and mm -hmm. my mind being blown that other parents out there are also just, like, not as protective, I guess, or, I mean. But then it's also, it seemed like people in the community knew that he was really creepy and kind of, like, but why... Why would he have access to these children? I don't even let my kids, like, hang out with, like, people I know <laughs> when I'm not around. What? Just... Well, and then even, <sighs> and then it even comes down to the church knew, and it's one of those where they know about stuff, and they're just like, we'll just move them over here. He'll get counseling. It'll be fine. Oh, some shitty fucking counseling. Yes. Sleep in a bed. With a girl that he's drugged? Well, they sent him to one counselor. That counselor sent him to a guy in California who wasn't even licensed. Well, and there was one point where she had a sleepover with um, his daughters, and they were sleeping on a um, trampoline, and she woke up in the middle of the night with her panties around yeah. her ankles. And, and he she, was like, oh, you were just wiggling around a Yeah, lot. he's like, you must have just been uncomfortable. and Like, I have never wiggled my own underwear <laughs> down to my ankles, no matter how restless I was. I've gone to bed pretty fucked up, and yeah, that's never happened. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. The fuck, man? It's, it's, it's bad. He deserved a whole lot worse. And just the parents. I don't understand how they allow this stuff. 
Jesus. What is happening? Just how do you go back to someone sexually who has married your daughter yes. who is 12? Kidnap your daughter. I just like that people just don't tell your parents who kidnapped you. Just tell them that uh, we went on vacation and I drove too far and ended up in another country. Like, what the fuck were you <laughs> drinking? And you didn't think to call? Yeah. And I married you, by the way. I don't think I've ever gotten locked and, like, even ended up in the next state, let alone another country. And I've never married any 12-year-olds no, no, on no, accident. No, no. So, no. you know. Clearly, we're doing something <laughs> correct here. But what do we know? I guess we're just not cool enough. <laughs> I feel like everyone, except for the FBI, fails here. Yeah. Agent Wells was cool. <laughs> He's yeah. like, do not mess with these people. Mind blowing. I I can't watch it a third time. I will. No. I will never watch it again. It's. It's right up there with like the tears actors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's more of just crying. This one is just a lot of anger. Yeah, just so much rage. But she ended up being in a movie with uh, what's his name from Lord of the Rings. Oh, I think Zach Efron did that too. He was old. <laughs> I don't think he was. He was definitely not in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Zach Efron. <laughs> What was his name? Is it... Is it Sean Astin? No, the other one. Uh, the other tiny guy. Elijah Wood? Yeah, Elijah Wood. Oh, he's adorable. Not Zac Efron. <laughs> Not Zac Efron. <laughs> Jeez. You're thinking High School Musical. <laughs> I just thought about what the next movie will be. I know, but I'm already thinking about what theme snack we'll have with it. <laughs> Mozzarella's was the first one. Yeah, they had queso with this one. They went to Mexico. It was fun. I feel like the next one needs to be lighthearted because child rape is just a little bit. That's rough. Yeah. We need, we need something fun. 